Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone. I'm Tom Hannafin, and welcome to Pater, a Penn State football show. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Pater. We're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA, the Silent Disco IPA, but be sure to also check out their Cranberry Sour Power Ale, the 365 Birthday IPA, and the Oatmeal Cookie Golden Ale. Funk has so many great beers to choose from at their tap rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York in Pennsylvania. You can find a variety of Funk Brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Also, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Paydirt is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, we invite you to head to shop.believe.com. That's shop.b-l-e-a-v.com and search Paydirt for our two t-shirts. One is the official show logo over the heart. It comes in white, navy blue, and black. And the other is a navy blue t-shirt. It has the Paydirt word mark over the heart and on the back, circa the 2012 Penn State football season. It has Matt McGloin's name and number. Again, head to shop.believe.com. That's shop.b-l-e-a-v.com and search Paydirt for our two t-shirts. I am flying solo today. Obviously, the variety of Penn State news this week is very much worth discussing. Uh, Matt McGloin will be joining us on our next episode. Unfortunately, had a scheduling conflict, so we look forward to that. There is a lot to touch on and regarding Penn State football this week. Not a quiet January as the transfer portal is winding down today, the day that this airs, uh, January the 18th. Let's get to the biggest headline of the week. Earlier on this week, it was announced that Penn State wide receiver coach Taylor Stubblefield had been fired by the Penn State football program. Not a situation where this was a mutual uh, release, a mutual agreement uh, by both parties. Uh, This is three years uh, for Taylor Stubblefield at Penn State. Um, He made a statement briefly on social media basically talking about a lot of his accomplishments as the wide receiver coach for Penn State football and defending what he's been able to do while he's been in Happy Valley. Uh, This is, to a degree, my reaction to it was that this is not entirely surprising, but to the same extent, it is a surprise. This is a a shock, I think, for some Penn State football fans, uh, and perhaps those closer to the program are, are very aware of some of the struggles internally, but my my immediate reaction to this was that it seemed as though this was a wide receiver core for a number of years, even before Taylor Stubblefield even got to Penn State, is that this is a wide receiver core that tends to be buoyed by one fabulous wide receiver. Look at a KJ Hamler, a Jahan Dotson, and recently a Parker Washington, and then the, the need for the transfer portal to really kick in with a guy like Mitchell Tinsley and, and another player that we'll get to here in a second, Dante Cephas. It's just very interesting because, you know, the expectation for a number of years since, you know, the infamous 
uh, good, great elite speech following the loss to Ohio State at home in 2018 by James Franklin has been trying to get this team to that elite level. And I think anybody could tell you looking at this receiver core that this is not an elite receiver core. And looking forward to next season, you lose Brenton Strange out of the tight end room. Now you've got some very talented guys and Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson are going to take his place, but and also a bevy of tight ends that are going to come in. But you're still sitting there being like, what's going on at wide receiver? Keandre Lambert-Smith, while he had a very nice Rose Bowl game, obviously set the record for the longest reception in a Rose Bowl game, uh, and that was pointed out by Taylor Stubblefield in his post on social media. Keandre Lambert-Smith has the chance to step up and be that number one wide receiver. He's yet to do it. He's yet to really nail down that position. And after Keandre Lambert-Smith, it's a question of who's next. Now, Harrison Wallace has gotten a fair amount of, uh, of reps uh, this past season. You look to maybe him being a number two. Uh, but honestly, if you're banking on Keandre Lambert-Smith being your number one and then Harrison Wallace a number two, it does leave you wanting a little bit. So, And then the remainder of the young players that are on Penn State's uh, roster right now at wide receiver, guys like Amari Evans, uh, Caden Saunders, even uh, Christian Driver is a name that's come up. Ivy as well. Uh, Malik Mega is still, you know, a guy that uh, Matt McGloin and I have talked about a lot on this podcast is when is he going to make the leap? Somebody who's just a physical freak and it just hasn't been there. So there, there's so many questions in that wide receiver room, perhaps James Franklin pointing the finger to a degree uh, or just demanding more, demanding to see something better. Uh, from all accounts, Taylor Stubblefield is somebody who is very well liked and respected as a coach. Obviously, he had a fantastic career as a Purdue Boilermaker wide receiver at one point in time. So uh, while this is not you know, ideal to be firing your position coach, the expectation within the conference alone is look at what Brian Hartline, former Ohio State Buckeye wide receiver, is now doing as the wide receivers coach. Ohio State's become a factory for wide receivers. Now, can you entirely point to Brian Hartline being the reason that those receivers are going to Ohio State? Maybe. you know, it, Maybe it's going there because of Ryan Day and the way the offense is and the way they just, again, churn out wide receivers. But Brian Hartline's a big part of that. If that's the standard within college football, it's clear that Penn State's wide receiver room has not lived up to that standard. So you can understand the, the departure from Taylor Stubblefield on paper, but this is a, a bit of a surprise to many people. In regards to the wide receiver room itself, it's been talked about throughout the, you know, the time period of the transfer portal this year that Penn State is trying to get anywhere from one to two receivers. And, and there's been a variety of headlines regarding this. I want to go to one that actually never really materialized. Wide receiver Devin Carter, uh, formerly of NC State. Uh, some of you might have seen the news the night of the Rose Bowl. He declared that he was committing to Penn State. Um, I had a conversation uh, in an interview that we recorded for this podcast. However, Devin Carter ultimately declined to go to Penn State, and he's now going to West Virginia. So we chose not to air that interview, but I had a great conversation with Matt Parker, uh, who's part of the Wolf Packer, part of the On3 network. And Matt Carter was explaining to me basically that Devin Carter has some limitations and that, yes, he's 6'3", 215 pounds, and that looks great on paper, athletic, but he's just really never put it all together in terms of being a big contributor, always been somebody that NC State believed could step up and be a number one but it struggled to be the two or the three. So uh, the, the impression I got in speaking to Carter was that uh, Devin Carter may not necessarily be 
a big upgrade for Penn State. He might just be one of many amongst this receiver core. So the news comes out that Devin Carter is coming to Penn State, and then he backtracks and he instead is going to West Virginia. Um, there was also, you know, uh, you know, talking to my friend Thomas Frank Hart, Blue White Illustrated, it, it sounded like there were some issues within Penn State's program uh, regarding Devin Carter and also speaking to uh, Nate Bauer recently here on Pater. Nate Bauer saying that, yeah, that maybe was not received that well that Devin Carter announced his own commitment to Penn State as opposed to allowing the program to do it for him. So, so perhaps some feathers were ruffled. So the Devin Carter thing comes and goes, and Penn State is still without a wide receiver. Now enter Dante Cephas, formerly wide receiver at Kent State. Um, He is going to arrive on campus after he graduates from Kent State this spring. So expecting to see him on campus at Penn State either late May or early June, whichever, uh, whichever date allows him to get to Penn State fastest. Uh, 2019, obviously his true freshman season, red shirts, uh, as a red shirt freshman in 2020, uh, had 11 catches and 136 yards receiving, uh, and, and he played in four games. Now he's going to get a COVID year, obviously playing in 2020, uh, in 2021, his red shirt sophomore year, um, 82 receptions, 1,240 yards receiving, uh, nine touchdowns. Uh, all fast forward to his redshirt junior year, which just happened in Kent State as a part of the MAC. Uh, 48 receptions, 744 yards receiving, uh, three touchdowns. So uh, a little bit of a decline uh, this past year at Kent State. Uh, only played in nine games as opposed to 14 games. So there's the availability issue there this past season. But this is somebody that was targeted by a variety of different schools, some very big name schools, especially SEC and Big Ten schools. So uh, Dante Steve is a great catch for Penn State, no pun intended. This is a really good pickup considering some of the other targets within the transfer portal have decided to go elsewhere. Penn State has not necessarily uh, killed it when it's come to getting wide receivers this year. Um, There was the conversation about Dante Thornton, who I believe wound up uh, uh, leaving Oregon. I'm blanking on where exactly he went to, but there's just so much that Penn State has attempted to do in this transfer portal window and not really landed on. But Dante Cephas is a nice addition. Obviously, you could see that redshirt sophomore year, a lot of volume. Uh, a lot of production. It's at the MAC level. You can make the comparison to Mitchell Tinsley. A lot of people were maybe questioning could his experience at Western Kentucky really transfer to the Big Ten? And the answer was yes. He was a very good uh, possession wide receiver for Penn State, bigger body than what most of Penn State's wide receivers have been under James Franklin. Dante Cephas is going to fit that more traditional mold for a James Franklin wide receiver, a little bit smaller of a guy, but quick, sure-handed. You do want to see him stay healthy for more games than he was able to do last season, so that's going to be important. But again, looking at this wide receiver room, I don't know if Cephas is some sort of drastic leap past a Keandre Lambert-Smith. I would say right now you may potentially pencil him in as the number one, but let's not forget the guy isn't going to get here until summer. So that, that is going to put him behind the eight ball a little bit. That is always a challenge for players. Now, you know, that's been proven wrong in the past, of course. And look at Hunter Norzad, who transferred from Cornell, was only able to get to Penn State in the summer and contributed quite a bit. So who knows what factor that's going to play. But at least there's a fair amount of eligibility for Dante Cephas. So that's a good pickup for Penn State at wide receiver, because especially considering Devin Carter just kind of falling off the face of the earth and that never really materializing. So I think there's been some frustration, obviously, in terms of getting more talent at wide receiver, at least developing that talent. You can point that towards the firing of Taylor Stubblefield looking to move on to somebody new. 
and then you add Dante Cephas. So there's there's positivity there, but there's still a lot of question marks at wide receiver. And Drew Aller is, you know, inheriting the keys to this offense. And there's a lot of tight ends that are coming in as a part of this 2023 class. Uh, Andrew Rappelier from Massachusetts is somebody that I'm really, really excited about. I think could contribute right away. But again, there's depth. You have Johnson, you have Warren. So you feel pretty good about that. Uh, I want to flip sides of the ball here because uh, big development this week is also uh, someone else who's uh, been in the transfer portal, uh, this time a player leaving Penn State. Uh, defensive back Marquise Wilson uh, has entered the transfer portal. This is, uh, this. I think this is unfortunate for Penn State, but at the same time, I don't know if this is going to be a, a drastic problem. You look at Penn State's cornerbacks, Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy, the transfer of Storm Duck. Uh, obviously uh, came from UNC, was an all-ACC performer. So you you feel really good about who your corners are. And Marquise Wilson was consistently a guy that Penn State was waiting to see if it would click. Uh, labeled as an athlete when he first arrived at Penn State, Marquise had, uh, had some opportunities but was obviously low on the depth chart. You had Joey Porter Jr., King, Dixon really burst onto the scene. So there were times Wilson was maybe the fourth, fifth corner, and it just didn't appear with the addition of Storm Duck that Wilson was going to climb that depth chart. So you understand him transferring. It's unfortunate because obviously you want to continue to have depth there, but obviously if you were going to get a Storm Duck, maybe you had an inkling that Marquise Wilson is no longer going to be with Penn State. He did declare for the transfer portal very, very late. So I do want to keep an eye on Marquise Wilson and where he winds up. Maybe he winds up back at Penn State uh, because he really didn't give himself a whole lot of time. So I think that's an interesting piece this week because there's been a lot of news in regards to the roster of Penn State, the changes, the Taylor Stubblefield uh, firing is something to keep an eye on in terms of who do they have as the replacement. Now, if you're looking at Penn State, whether you're in the transfer portal or you're a recruit, the position coach, yes, is, is certainly important, but Mike Yersich uh, as the offensive coordinator, that consistency there has got to be attractive. Obviously, James Franklin continues to sell his program appropriately. And this team is positioned very, very well going into next season. Absolutely a top 10 team. Some might argue a top five team, and especially after 11-2 and two, winning the Rose Bowl. I understand why Devin Carter announced at the night of the Rose Bowl, and it's something we've talked about on this podcast, is that Penn State, by winning that game, won over a lot of people, made a lot of people believers and what Penn State can be in 2023. So if you're in the transfer portal or you're a recruit and you want to be a part of a team that could potentially go to the national championship or at least go to the college football playoff next season when it's only four teams, the following season, 2024, when it expands to 12, yeah, Penn State better be in that field of 12, but at least if you've got limited eligibility remaining and you're an active college football player and you want to win now, Penn State's a pretty good landing spot. Pretty good, interesting, uh, really interesting idea. And I see what Devin Carter tried to do, but it sounds like, you know, enough happened there that uh, he had to look elsewhere. The Big Ten is going to be very interesting this coming season. And another piece of news that came out this week is that Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh is returning for 2023. There have been a lot of discussions about whether or not he was even going to be back in Michigan. There were a lot of reports saying he was entertaining NFL head coaching jobs, even at interviews uh, to that extent. And it appears he is going to come back to Michigan. Now, was this a power play to maybe get something out of the university? Who knows? And we'll keep an eye on this. But Jim Harbaugh returning does mean Michigan can potentially 
stand pat. You know what I mean? Like sitting tight altogether in terms of they feel confident in what they have. Obviously, a team that was able to get to the college football playoff for the second consecutive year. This is a very talented team. You're going to get Blake Corum back. Uh, J.J. McCarthy will be one year more experienced. The, the thing that was exposed, however, in the TCU game, in the college football playoff, is that Michigan, in, in reality, is playing old school leather helmet football. And that if they're down, like they were against TCU, it is really, really difficult for that team to claw back into a game. Now, they they did, ultimately, to a degree, against the Horned Frogs. But it does make you wonder that if they were playing, say, a different opponent, maybe an Ohio State, maybe a Georgia, another SEC opponent, something like that. And again, this is a Michigan team that waxed Ohio State this year, so it's kind of a head-scratcher. But you wonder if Harbaugh has maxed out what he can do at Michigan because clearly – this is the team that he wants to roll with. He wants a big, nasty, powerful offensive line, run the ball, do play action, not really rely on the passing game. So it does make you wonder, it's like, oh, if you get down, is this like watching like Army Navy where it's like, oh, you have a, you're, you're down a touchdown or two, eh, you might be in trouble or two touchdowns, three touchdowns, you know, who knows? They seem to struggle in that sort of situation. So as he maxed out what he can do, and then when you look ahead to 2023, Penn State's chances within the Big Ten, th- there's a lot of positivity. Now, you want to feel you want to feel good about Drew Aller, but it's still a time to go out and prove it. There's still a big question mark at that position. A lot of people are just assuming this is going to be a massive upgrade from Sean Clifford. We're we're going to find out, and and the the flashes of brilliance have been there for Drew Aller, but at the same time, he's got to go out there and be the starter and be the guy in 2023, and we'll see what players are at his disposal as the transfer portal is wrapping up today. This is going to be an interesting 2023 because Harbaugh's back, so you feel like Michigan is still going to be as competitive as they were last year. And then Ohio State, an interesting development for them this week, which was really expected, frankly, is that C.J. Stroud, their quarterback, has announced for the NFL draft, declared for the NFL draft. I am not surprised by this whatsoever. In my opinion, he should be the first quarterback taken off the board. Uh, you have the Bears with the number one overall pick. We already have Justin Fields, another Buckeye quarterback. And then you've got the Houston Texans there at number two who desperately need a quarterback. Personally, I don't take Bryce Young. I, I take C.J. Stroud there. What I saw out of him in the college football playoff he jumped a leap for me. Uh, He jumped quite a bit. And and looking at Bryce Young, I have the same concerns with him that a lot of people have had for his predecessor, Tua Tungvaloa. Very similar build, if anything. Bryce is more slight while he has great ability, just like Tua did. And very similar ability to C.J. Stroud as a passer and as a quarterback. Very smart guy. I worry about his ability to hack it with NFL physicality. C.J. Stroud, yeah, not exactly the biggest guy on the field, but the way that he has thrown the ball, I think he's an elite passer, and you you, got to take a shot with him. So Ohio State now is going to have a full-on quarterback competition. It's not necessarily clear this guy's next for Ohio State at quarterback, and and that's not happened for them in, in a little while now. They've had a pretty good revolving door of starting quarterbacks that the Buckeyes have felt confident in going into the next season. They certainly have confidence, and they're guys that are going to inherit the job next year, but it's going to be a competition. It's been very, very clear. So does Ohio State drop off? I don't know if they drop off entirely, but the question that you, the fan, have to ask yourself, 
are Michigan and Ohio State vulnerable enough in 2023 for Penn State to win one or both of those games? Because that's all that matters going into 2023 for Penn State. If you're able to knock off one of them, you have a chance to get to the Big Ten title game. You have a chance to make it in the college football playoff. And I'm very interested to hear what people have to say. Again, we always invite you guys to hit us up on Twitter uh, and especially on YouTube. You guys are always great about getting in the comments section. I am very curious to hear what you guys think. Is Michigan vulnerable? Is Ohio State vulnerable now with C.J. Stroud going to the NFL draft? There's just a lot of open space, it appears, in the Big Ten. And I think Penn State is very well positioned for a lot of things. But with the firing of Stubblefield, Cephas is incoming, questions at wide receiver, there's a lot of things that need to be answered heading into 2023. I appreciate you guys all joining us here for Pater on this Wednesday. Um, coming up on our next episode, Matt McGloin is going to be back with me, and our guest will be former Penn State quarterback Wally Richardson, who right now is the director of the Penn State Football Letterman's Club. So we are very, very excited to have Wally with us. That'll be on the next edition of Pater. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, head over to Smack Apparel and check out what their team is geared up for this football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel makes the gear that'll have everyone asking where you got it. They have the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro football, baseball, basketball. Every fan is covered. Head over to their website, smackapparel.com, and use the promo code PAYDIRT at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code PAYDIRT at checkout. Why wear boring when you can wear smack? Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels and pomades. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code paydirt 15 paydirt 15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at QB 11 and at Tom Hannafin. Paydirt is presented by Bet Online and by Funk Brewing. Thanks again, everyone, and join us next week for more Paydirt. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.